It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Wednesday, January 20th, as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Kiesa versus Magni, which uh, just got done right now. So a bit of an awkward time for a show. It's uh, 3 p.m. and, uh, you know, the card's over. Um, not the best time for a card. I gotta be, I gotta be honest here. Uh, not ideal. I did miss a couple of the early prelims, so I can't speak to those too much because, you know, I'm dedicated to this, but, you know, I'm not gonna wake up at fucking 8 in the morning to watch some early prelims, but, uh, you know, it was a big card. There were 14 fights, and, uh, you know, some of them delivered. You know, this this card looked really bad on paper, but like I always say, there's always some fights that will surprise you, and uh, there were a couple, and my, my mind has been changed on a couple of fighters, and uh, I'll get to that in a minute. But I wanted to start out with the main card showdown, which uh, took place today, and, uh, it, you know, it was it was a very eventful card. Uh, let me pull it up here. Uh, obviously, the mailman won. You know, that was never never in question. Uh, the mailman beat Captain, knocked him out in the fifth round, ended up winning 59-52. Um, we also had uh, Steve beat Drew very, very close, 59-58. So it will be me and Steve headlining NSS 26 uh, in the finals of the January World Grand Prix on Saturday for the Poirier-McGregor card. Uh, and then uh, it'll be Drew and Captain for the bronze medal. Uh, we also had Pip with a, a, a very good come-from-behind victory over Patrick Starr-Peterson, 59-57. Ended up winning by two, had a 10-7 in the final round to flip the score. Uh, you know, and that's impressive. That is impressive. That was in the Invitational Grand Prix, so Pip is going on to the... Uh, the the championship match in the Invitational Grand Prix, he will meet Francis, who nearly blew a lead to to uh, Peyton the Panda. It was very close. Uh, he was up by like three or four heading into the last couple of rounds, and then I think Peyton had a 10-8 in the final round, and I think he won the co-main event, and uh, ended up only winning by one, which is very good because there is no tiebreaker for that, because <laughs> obviously neither of those two sent in prelim picks so we were kind of fucked if that occurred but you know whatever it's invitational grand prix i'm just i'm happy all of our picks got in there were no ties oh, also we had uh, jerry knocking out grand Poo in the fifth round won that one 57 to 53 but yeah i mean a lot of people a lot of people were not on this card you know what i mean uh reagan hooverman we tried to get him on didn't really get back to me, so uh, you know we'll we'll get him on for for this Saturday. I, I think we'll be able to do that, but um, yeah, just just had a tough time getting people. Vogel was not in it. Ireland was not in it. Todd Wiegert, Abel Magnuson, uh, you know. So, but listen, that's why we have Francis. He made his debut. We tried to get him in on the Saturday card, but we just really couldn't find a spot for him. 
Um, so, you know, who knows? I think this Saturday, you know, maybe we get the bull man in. Maybe we get, uh, you know, TB69. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get in more guys. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have for the main card showdown. Uh, yeah, just complete domination from the mailman. All right, so let's move into the important stuff here, the the matter at hand, and that's recapping uh, this morning's fights. And uh, in the main event, Michael Chiesa wins that one uh, via unanimous decision. I, I did not catch the score, but I had to imagine that that must have been a 50-45. I don't think any round was a 10-8, but uh, he definitely won every single round. And uh, I do not have updated rankings. I will do those after the show, so that's why you got to follow me on Twitter because uh, you, you'll see stuff like that. Um, but yeah, fuck, that was complete domination. And uh, Magni is a very well-rounded fighter too. So that's pretty impressive. I think we knew coming into this fight, Kiesa had the advantage on the ground, and that's what played out. Dude, he probably had like 18 minutes of, of ground control time in that fight. Just super, super impressive. Uh, his win was never in doubt. There was, I think, once in like the third or fourth round, uh, Magni kind of got him in a weird position where uh, he, he was trying to do a leg triangle or a leg guillotine, and uh, it didn't really work. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, man, that's as easy. I don't want to say easy because obviously Michael had to try for it, but as dominant of a, a decision as as you know you you could get with a grappler who doesn't really engage in ground and pound. I mean, he's kind of like I like the call out of Covington. Not to to skip ahead, but uh, man, when Covington wrestles, he wrestles, and when Kiesa wrestles, he wrestles. Like there's not a lot of ground and pound. Uh, he's very. He's very oily. Like <laughs> he, I, I'm, I was just very impressed, and I was taking some notes on his uh, on his grappling, and uh, fuck man, that might be the best grappler and ground guy in, in the welterweight division. Uh, he's he's physically imposing. He's strong. Uh, like I said, he wrestles when he wrestles. He drowns his opponent uh, at 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 his best, and uh, he's really fucking good at scrambling too. Very good. That's where the oily comes in just he's very he seems very slippery he just always can scramble he's a master at going to different positions on the ground with ease and uh, one of the things I noticed about Michael is that he he doesn't really get stuck in positions like he always seems to have a plan b for wherever he is so I, I, he always has something he's working for but if it doesn't work out he's not really stuck uh he, he he's really uh, a guy with a high iq and uh I don't know, man. He's thinking a couple of moves ahead of where he is, and uh, I, I don't think that's a given with a, a lot of fighters. So, I was I was super impressed with Kiesa. Uh, he'll, he'll obviously go up in the rankings, and anybody ahead of him in the rankings is going to be a fantastic match. Uh, I saw people were calling for him to fight Wonderboy Thompson. I would love to see that. That would be fantastic. I mean, two polar opposites. I mean, we're we're really going to figure out if, if a striker wins or a grappler wins. Uh, although I would favor Wonderboy Thompson because he has, like, the third highest takedown defense in the UFC. So, I mean, if you can't if you can't take the guy to the ground, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a big question mark with Kiesa is, is his striking, obviously. But uh, when it works, uh, it works. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, 80% of the time, it works 100% of the time. So, uh, major win for Michael Kiesa. 
and uh, it's kind of a deflating loss for Neil Magny. I mean, he's very, very active, and he's still relatively young, so it's not a fucking career ender for Neil Magny, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know where he goes from here. Maybe uh, he was scheduled to fight uh, Jeff Neal. I think that would make a lot of sense to go Magny and Neal. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure what's next for him, but uh, he, he definitely has some stuff to work on. But then again, I mean, you're really never going to come against a grappler who's better than Michael Chiesa. So I don't know, you know, just maybe try to get some more favorable matchmaking. Uh, moving on here to the co-main event, we had a very quick knockout by Warley Alves over Munir Lezez. Uh, yeah, Alves just came out like a marauder. I mean, he just came forward. Land- he landed three body kicks in a row just back to back to back and uh i don't know might have broke lazez's ribs might have just you know put him down with a liver shot i guess there were some conflicting opinions on that either way i was pretty surprised to see that because that's kind of what munir did against uh abdul al abdul razak al hassan there we go ara is what i like to call him nobody else calls him that but i it's so much more simpler but against uh, against Abdul, that's really what he did, and obviously he didn't get the finish, but he was the one that was pressing the matter, putting up uh, ARA against the cage and just slinging leather, and that's kind of what Alves did, and, and Munir didn't really have too much to say about it, and then kind of just took uh, too much damage. Honestly, it's one of the better losses you could have. You know, like, you would rather you would rather lose like Lazez did to Alves than to lose like Calvin Cater lost to Max Holloway. Like, you know, hey... You, you didn't get your conscious stolen from you, Munir. Uh, you didn't take a prolonged ass beating. You just kind of got, I don't want to say a flash knockout, but like, you know, a, a, a TKO with very little damage, all things considered. Hopefully he's not uh, too injured, you know what I mean? Hopefully, you know, he didn't break all of his ribs like Drew Brees. You know, hopefully Lazez's ribs are not made out of graham cracker dust. But, uh, you know, one of the better losses you could have. And then Alves... Fuck, I mean, this is just the continuation of his of his weird career, man. Very weird career. Just a lot of ups, a lot of downs. He's beaten guys like Colby Covington, um, you know, Sergio Marais, now Munir Lazez, who's, you know, one of the hotter prospects in the UFC. I mean, the hottest prospect in that region of the world. But, you know, just has these weird losses sprinkled in there. So, I don't know, man. I have no idea what to make of Warley Alves. He is only 30, so... You know, maybe he can maybe he can fix his consistency uh, problems, but yeah, fuck me, that's a very solid win. Good for him, but uh, I don't know. I, I need to see it more frequently. All right, moving on here to the featured bout, we had a hellacious, a hellacious round two knockout by Ike Villanueva on Vinicius Mojeda. Uh, I changed my mind on Ike Villanueva. I like that guy. That's my new favorite light heavyweight fighter. That guy is fucking awesome he's basically just the mexican version of hank hill uh man watching his interviews oh man this means a lot to him you know what i mean he's a very emotional guy not in a bad way but just very grateful to be there super happy to get the win blue collar guy that's my new favorite that's my new favorite guy i uh you know i didn't know a whole lot about him before this fight i still vehemently disagree with putting him on the fucking featured bout of a main card of anything uh, you know what I mean, which is my bone of contention with him on the preview show. But good, good for him. I will be rooting for that guy. I don't know how far he will go. Uh, you know what I mean. But uh, that, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Ike Villanueva now. Then that was, 
you know. I, I, I after that knockout, I thought about doing knockouts of the month because that because uh, I was thinking like, well, it's probably not the knockout of the year, but it's probably in the knockout of the month. So I don't know. I, I might start doing that knockout of the month because this probably wins it. I mean, I don't know. We have one more card left, and fuck, he hit him so hard. My head is fucking head spun around backwards like he was Daffy Duck and his bill just went to the back of his head after, you know, picking up a, a firecracker that was painted black. I mean, he he fucked him up, man. He really did. Uh, and uh, for Maheda, he's got to get cut, man. I mean, we can't have a guy who's 0-4 in the UFC. Three real bad knockouts and then one submission loss to Paul Craig. Dude, what are we doing here? This guy does not belong in the UFC. Maybe he will one day. Again, he is 31, so, I mean, you know, it's not like he's 22. But I don't like to bury people anymore. It's a new year, new me, and I'm going to be a little more positive. And and he needs more seasoning at the lower levels. He is absolutely not ready, has never even remotely been competitive in his time in the UFC. He has to go back to, to wherever he was before this. All right, moving on. Still on the main card, we had a unanimous decision victory for Viviani Araujao over Roxanne Mataferi. Uh, dominant, dominant performance by uh, Vivi. Um, very well-rounded, too. I mean, she had I think she was 4-for-4 four four on takedowns. She stuffed a couple of takedown attempts from Roxanne, was tagging her on the feet, obviously a great boxer, and that was one of the more well-rounded performances I've seen at 125 in, in a long time. Because, again, like nobody thinks Roxanne is an elite contender, but she's she, if you're not at her level, she's a gatekeeper. And if you're not at her level, she is definitely going to push you back, okay? But, uh, you know, I, I think that's a good litmus test for uh, Ara Ujiao coming off of the loss uh, or I think uh, she had a fight in between, but she, recently she had a loss to Jessica I, so kind of set back a little bit. But uh, you know, I don't know. And her de- her debut, she had that crazy KO, which you don't see a lot of KOs uh, at women's flyweight of uh, Toledo Bernardo. So you know, moves to four and one in the UFC, and uh, this this is a this is a big win, and I I do think this is someone to watch out for. Um, in in title contention, she is 34. So uh, there are a lot of older women fighters in the UFC that just don't do anything of of note. So you know she she probably has two years of her prime left. Uh, if you're just kind of going by the numbers, so I'll be curious to see what uh, what she can get done. Uh, let's see what the old notepad had to say uh, about these uh, two fighters. Uh, Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, the level change. So I talked about the takedowns, the defense, the striking, just very good at mixing it up. With with They were talking about the jabs on the broadcast. Uh, I guess that's above my pay grade. I'm not a boxing coach, but just mixing it up, I, I thought she did a, a really good job. And then uh, Roxanne, I mean, we knew she was not a good striker. She misses on a lot of fucking strikes. I think her significant strike percentage, maybe not her the, the final to, uh, total, but I think after like round four, she was at like 20%, which is just super, super low. And she just plods forward, very, very flat-footed. Uh, she she looks, she looks, her, her fighting style 
striking wise looks a lot like Tank Abbott. Like it, it just looks like it belongs in in the mid '90s in the UFC. You know, she she would have a very good striking style for UFC seven. But uh, yeah, and that's something they mentioned the broad on the broadcast as well. Um, you know, you you could you could get by being a grappler uh, back in the day, but if you're not well rounded you're going to run into a lot of problems and uh you know her, her striking apparently it's been improving and she has had some good performances but you're going to run into fights like this where you just get outboxed for 15 minutes and uh you know i guess that explains why she has so many wins and losses uh you know just very active fighter but uh can't really can't really string together wins all right, moving on. Uh, on damn, still on the main card. It was a seven-fight main card, which they they kind of threw that on there. Uh, the Akhmedov and Breeze. I thought that was a, a prelim headliner, but uh, yeah, they the UFC man. They just they just slip shit in there, man. Uh, but we had a split decision victory for Matt Schnell over Tyson Nam. I'm telling you right now, that was a unanimous decision victory for uh, Matt Schnell. Uh, it was competitive. But it wasn't, it wasn't really close, and I don't really care what the numbers say. I still think the numbers are on the side of Schnell, but I think they would, I think the numbers would tell you the fight was a little closer than it was. But if you watch that fight, man, you just, you just know that that was a, a unanimous decision victory for Matt Schnell. He won every single round, uh, you know, whatever, man. If you want to give one to Tyson Nam, I mean, okay, which one are you gonna choose? I don't think he won one, but it has to be unanimous, man. That's just. That's just crazy. Uh, outstruck him. He was a far uh, quicker fighter. Landed more. You know, Nam was Nam was just trying to to counter strike with with his power right hand, and uh, didn't really work, man. He cracked him a couple of times, but you couldn't really tell. So, uh, you know, it landed, but I, I don't think he had the success that that he wanted. So, uh, I don't know, man. And I don't think too highly of Tyson Nam. Uh, just because he's 37 years old and, you know, the two knockouts are against very, 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 very low-level flyweights. So uh, I was pretty confident that Schnell was going to win this one, but, uh, yeah, I guess he beat Tyson Nam. I mean, Schnell, I think we had him at number 9 or 10 and Nam at 13. So I don't know how much he moves in the rankings, but uh, I don't know, man. I, if... That flyweight division, man, is so shallow that, I don't know, Schnell could get a title fight next for for all I know. I mean, I have no idea. Um, so looking at the scorecards here, they scored round number three across the board for Tyson Nam. Uh, I'm telling you right now, that's fucking insane. I, I, I disagree with that. And you look at the media scores, two have it 29-28 for Nam, and probably 12 have it for Schnell, 29-28. I probably would have gone 30-27 if, if I'm being honest, but uh, yeah, it, it was an okay fight. It was an okay fight. All right, moving on here to the, well, what should have been the main card opener. It was Lerone Murphy winning a unanimous decision victory over Douglas Silva DeAndrage. Uh very, very solid performance by Lerone Murphy, uh, but Andrade is a dog. He, he's a dog. He's got a good motor on him, and uh, he never gave up. He had some moments in the third round where he uh, where he kind of clipped uh, Lerone Murphy, but Murphy's very smart, man. He's, he's a very well-rounded fighter, too. 
and uh, good IQ. When he got clipped, went straight to the clinch along the fence. Um, I, I think that was probably the, well, it's probably a lot of downfalls, but I think one of them for Andrade was when he hurt him. Uh, I think in, I think he hurt him once in like the first and maybe once in the second and uh, clinched him up immediately. I mean, I, I don't know. If you hurt someone, I don't know why you clinch up. That makes no sense. The The onus is on them to clinch up. I mean, you want to just sit there and keep striking. You know, it's it's the same as... It's the same as hurting a fighter and then taking the fight to the ground. Well, if you're Michael Chiesa and you hurt someone on the feet and you take him to the ground, that makes sense. But, like, if you're a kickboxer, why... No, just have them stand up. You hurt them standing up, so I, you have to have a high degree of confidence you could do that again 10 seconds later in the exact same situation. So, you know, I, I thought there were some mental lapses for Andrade, but, again, not, not the prettiest win for Lerone Murphy... Um, but I, I do think it was a clear-cut victory for him. And again, man, his leg kicks are uh, they're hellacious, man. And they he throws them with purpose, too. And I love to see that with leg kicks because a lot of people will throw out some slow-ass fucking leg kick almost just to, like, set the distance. But it's so slow that it, it has no chance of landing and it just leaves you exposed. But when Murphy was throwing those leg kicks, he's throwing to connect. He's not just putting it out there. So... I really don't like when people just put out the leg kick because I, I don't think that's a successful strategy. Um, perfectly content, uh, content to fight at range. Uh, good scrambles on, on the ground and uh, just a bold fighter. You saw that more in the Hamos fight, but uh, yeah, I, I think, again, it was a competitive fight because Andrade has one hell of a motor, but um, yeah, that was that was definitely a win there for, uh, for Murphy. And... Uh, Oh no, Silva the Silva de Andrade. Excuse me. All these, all these. Yeah, whatever. But uh, yeah, the, one of the things I noticed noticed about him, uh, he does target all three levels, so I liked that. And he's very aggressive, and and again doesn't give up. And and he is dangerous because you know even in the third round he was kind of hurting Murphy, but he just loads up at times and, and misses. He loops his punches, and he, he really struggles to hold uh, fighters down. He really struggled to hold Lerone Murphy down. Um, so. Because, I don't know, in the second round, I mean, it, it was kind of looking like maybe if he was a little better of a grappler, he probably could have submitted him, or at least had a chance, but, uh, yeah, going to the ground wasn't really a good strategy for uh, Silva Andrade, and, uh, again, not the prettiest win, but I, I, I do think Murphy is a legitimate contender to watch out for, and, I mean, f- fuck me, 145 has so many guys like Lerone Murphy that are just young and killers, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of a Sadiq Youssef. You know, and then you got uh, Bryce Mitchell, you got um, Dan Ige, you got all these young guys uh, just kind of knocking on the doorstep at 145, and, and Murphy, Murphy certainly is one of them. Might be, might be the best of those young guys, even though he's not in the rankings yet. Obviously, younger in his in his UFC career. Uh, moving on here, we will go to uh, what was technically. The main card opener. It was a submission win for Omari Akhmedov on Tom Breeze. Um, I don't know. I, I I was pretty confident that Breeze was going to win this fight, and again, I don't know. A, a disappointing performance from Breeze. He had his moments, but uh, Akhmedov, man, he just he just pulled through. Uh, had had a flurry. I mean, some referees might have stopped that. I don't think Breeze was taking too much damage, but got him down on the ground early, was laying down those those hammer fists, and uh, Omari doesn't have a lot of power, 
uh, in general, certainly not when he's standing up, but I don't know, man, when he posts you down on the ground and is just, you know, wailing on you, I I would have to imagine that those hammer fists hurt just a little bit, so maybe his power differential is uh, not as big of a deal on the ground, you know, kind of in his world. Uh, but Tom Breeze, man, resilient fighter. He, he survived getting smashed, and uh, he was really creative on the ground, too. Kind of reminded me of the creativity of Michael Chiesa, where he'll just find himself in weird positions, but that was ultimately his detriment against uh, Akhmedov, where uh, he got in that weird... He got in that weird position defending the takedown and then getting a takedown and then got choked out. Um, so, I don't know, man. I guess you you, you live and die by that, I, I suppose. I, I think that'll probably work out in the long run. But, you know, he just got in that position and, and got choked out with an arm triangle. So, tough for Breeze. I mean, it's good to see him active. And, again, it's probably one of the better losses you could have. Obviously, hopefully, you know, you always want to win. But, you know, getting choked out relatively quickly in a fight uh, early in the second round he didn't really take a whole ton of damage um, you know hey man at least he didn't get flatlined at least he didn't get flatlined or just beat up I, I think he'll be back relatively soon and then for Akhmedov I mean kind of holds water here I mean this was kind of uh, a matchup made for Tom Breeze to smash his way through the rankings to kind of you know get a, a UK fighter relevant in the rankings and uh, he failed on it uh, this time but he's still young and Akhmedov, I mean, he's probably not going to go up in the rankings for beating an unranked guy, but solidifies his spot uh, there. I think we have him at number 11. So I guess we'll have to see uh, where uh, other people are ahead of him. And I don't know, man, maybe he'll be number 10. Actually, no, Chris Weidman is right ahead of him, and Weidman just beat him. So actually, Akhmedov will for sure stay put. All right, moving on here, on to the prelims. We had a arm triangle choke submission by Ricky Simone over Gaetano Perello. Uh, didn't really watch this one. Good for Ricky Simone. I don't know why this was made. Uh, Simone was the heavy favorite. He got the job done. Uh, I, I thought I thought Simone was supposed to fight somebody else, and uh, this was a late replacement. It was not. So I don't really, maybe I'm looking into it too much, but I don't know what that means for what the UFC thinks of Ricky Simone. But uh, yeah, I mean, good for good for him getting the dub. And, you know, for Gaetano, I mean, I guess you just hope that, uh, you know, they bring you back. But Ricky Simone was taking him down at will. Uh, you know, he, he was marabd of all uh Gaetano Perello. So that was a, an impressive performance, albeit against a lower level competitor. Uh, moving on, we had a unanimous decision victory for Sumadarji over Zaruk Adeshev. Uh, absolute domination. Sumadarji is going to be a real problem, especially at 125. He's five foot eight. He's very good at managing that range. Super good kickboxer. I was very impressed by him. Uh, I, I know Adeshev. He never should have been signed to the UFC. I detest people who get signed to the UFC at like 3-0, 3-1, 4-1. I just think that's not fair. It's not fair to Zarouk because how can a lot of fighters can't turn down the chance to be in the UFC, but they're not ready. And Zarouk is obviously not ready. He's lost his last two fights. He will probably get cut. He's 3-3. Three three. He just needs more time, man. He's still young. He's 28. You, you never know, man. We could see him in a couple of years, but I think that was a major mistake. And, and there's just a huge talent discrepancy here between Adeshev and Modarji, but you know, looking looking at the winner here, I mean, 
I was very, I was very impressed. I mean, he sets uh, traps when he strikes, and he counters really well, really well. He's he's fast, and uh, he can just overwhelm his opponents with his kickboxing. So, uh, you know, he was number 15 in the flyweight division. He'll probably move up a spot or two just because it's so shallow. If you get a win, you tend to move up, and uh, I think I think he will climb the ladder very quickly at flyweight, and that's a legitimate contender in my estimation and you know i think it'd be he could be a part of that chinese takeover of of the ufc i mean uh this this is a very legitimate fighter all right moving on we had a unanimous decision victory for dalsha lungiambula over marcus perez uh i don't know it really it really looked like uh, dalsha has found the uh the correct weight class i mean he's five foot eight so he's not uh He's not very big, uh, stature-wise, for 185. But, man, it's crazy to think he was fighting at 205. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that was a very good performance by him. He came out very aggressive. Uh, I mean, he knows he has to close the distance. Even though Perez is not particularly tall either for 185. I think he's only 5'11". Uh, his his lack of a cardio w- wasn't really a problem for him uh, in this fight. And he was swinging for power. Uh, and, and Marcus Perez... I don't know, man. He, he, I think he is a talented fighter. I think he is a, he could be a good fighter, but he just, he makes a big mistake every single round. And the, the, the only, that's very consistent for a lot of his fights. He makes one big mistake every round. And the only question is, is it going to be a KO loss or a knockdown or you, or will you be on your back? Cause one of those three things happens. It's never, he makes a big mistake and nothing happens. Uh, and I'm not going to pretend to have seen his entire career, but that's that's the case in, in the fights that I've seen with him. You saw it in the Drickus Duplessis fight, because uh, what was it? He tried some like a spinning back elbow or something, and then just got fucking blasted by Drickus Duplessis. Uh, you know, so it made a very big mistake and got knocked out. In in this fight, you know, he got knocked down. He tried some spinning stuff where, you know, Dalsha nearly took his head off. You know in those exchanges so I, he's, he's capable on the ground and his striking's not bad it's just I don't want to say he should be more conservative because he's not necessarily known as a flashy guy it's just man once around he makes a really big mistake and uh, you know it doesn't bode well for him because you know his opponent almost always has the biggest moment in that round which I mean is certainly going to impact the judges uh, moving on, we had a unanimous decision victory for Francisco Figueredo over Jerome Rivera. Uh, I was sleeping during this one. I was actually sleeping during these first four fights, so to be honest, I do not have a whole lot to say about that. Good for uh, Figgy. Uh, he is the brother of Davison. I, I, I could have figured, no pun intended, that one, but uh, yeah, good for him. And uh, Rivera, I don't know, I don't know, man. Maybe you move up to bantamweight because he is five foot nine, or no, he's even taller than that. I think he's five ten at one twenty-five. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, five foot ten. Holy smokes. Yeah, probably probably time to move up to one thirty-five. And uh, you know he's lost to some lower level guys here at one twenty-five. But you know it, it is true when you change weight classes, you really do get a fresh coat of paint. So uh, man, I could not imagine. I'm, I assume he's a naturally skinny guy, anyways. But I'd still have to figure that he just murders himself to get to 125 uh we had a unanimous decision victory for mike beast boy davis over 
Mason Jones, the undefeated Mason Jones, no, no more, uh, from Wales. And uh, I want to see the scorecards here. Looks like it was unanimous across the board, 29 uh, to 28. Uh, looks like uh, looks like they're pretty split on who won this fight. Looks like about two thirds picked Davis, about a third of of that two thirds. Uh, picked 30-27, and then we had some some people who really thought that uh, Jones won the fight 29-28. Uh, yeah, I, I did I did not see it. I am interested in, in Mike Davis, especially at 155. I mean, I think he's probably a natural 145-er, uh, but it is interesting to see him get the win here at 155. Um, he, he, he did have a pretty big layoff after the Thomas Gifford fight, which was uh, a very impressive uh, performance, but uh, I don't know. It seems like there might be uh, some controversy there with the scores. Uh, moving on, we had a submission via rear naked choke for Umar Nurmagomedov. He stays perfect at 13-0. The pride of Kazakhstan, Sergei Morozov, falls to 16-4. and uh, Good for Nurmagomedov. I'd have, to ma- I'd have to imagine with the last name like that, he is very popular in Abu Dhabi. Uh, good for him. Just another, another really good fighter at 135. Uh, that division is just, for my money, that's the most stacked division in the UFC. I don't care what anybody says. 145 is very good. 155 is elite. 170 is elite. But for my money, uh, bantamweight is just fucking loaded. And then moving on here to the prelim opener, it was a standing TKO by Manon Fiorit on Victoria Leonardo. Uh, again, didn't watch that fight. I did see the finishing sequence. I think we might have different standards for for what a standing TKO is uh, for for uh, female fighters and male fighters. Uh, I disagree with the standing TKO, and I'm not even saying. See, that's the thing with a lot of these finishes is you're saying like, oh, what you think it shouldn't have been stopped? Well, she was going to finish it anyway. I don't deny that Manon probably could have and would have finished the fight legitimately. And I'm not saying a fucking KO. I'm not saying I'm not saying I need to see a fighter get flatlined for me to say the fight's over. But I don't know. She swarmed Leonardo for like two and a half seconds. None of them, uh, like half of the punches, seem to be landing, and they just kind of call it off. I don't know, man. I don't really see that happening in a male fight. Uh, I'm not saying that's that's good or bad. I'm not having any opinion on that. I'm just saying it. It, it really seems like there's a different standard for uh, different fighters. And I don't know. I, I, like, uh, and again, if that fight goes five seconds longer, does Manon finish the fight? Yeah, she very well could. I'm not saying it was a gi- it was a given. Uh, you know what I mean? But I don't know, man. I don't know. But good for her. She gets the win. The pride of France. I don't think we have a, a female French fighter uh, on the roster. So you know, there we go. That's a first. All right. So with that, uh, we have completed our uh, recap of UFC Fight Night. Kiesa versus Magni. So again, uh, follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Uh, be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. We have all the updated results from the main card showdown, and you know, probably in 30 minutes we will have the uh, updated rankings as well. So plenty of fun stuff there. Uh, we'll probably have the preview for Poirier and McGregor tomorrow. 
Uh, so a, a lot of fun stuff and potentially a lot of big changes coming in the mailman's life and uh, where the show is. So, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody.